When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, and Jamie Eisner. And we have a lot to talk about. It's Black Monday in the NFL. There have been some coaching changes already. There's speculation about other ones. We've got a lot to get into. We're going to go game by game like we usually do, but more of quick takeaways today because a lot of these games meant absolutely nothing. So we'll get into some of the bigger games. I think we could spend, as Jamie said last night in a text message, I think about 30 minutes breaking down the last half a second in that Seattle San Francisco game. What a game it was to end the regular season of year 100 in the NFL. So let's start off with the coaching changes that have happened officially. Uh, The first one is one that I'm not surprised about, even though there was speculation and even um, it seemed as if Freddie Kitchens had thought that he had the backing of the ownership team and general manager uh, had a emotional phone call with Ian Rappaport that was reported about, and the Cleveland Browns are moving on from Freddie Kitchens. I think this is the right move. We talked about it a lot this season that it wasn't a good hire when it happened, and he wasn't able to control this locker room, and they have a lot to fix with all of this going on. So, Jake, I'll let you take this one first. Your thoughts on on, on Freddie and you know, we never like to see people get fired, but I just don't think this was the right fit in Cleveland. No, I'm going to start off my uh, my show and talking about these coaches, reminding everybody on Black Monday that when a head coach gets fired, there's 20 to 25 other guys that get fired along with them. They all have families. So while we can criticize and attack their coaching and their football all we want, let's try to leave the personal out of it because their families read this stuff and you don't know them personally. You only know a tenth of what goes into their decision making while we're being analysts on the coaching side of it. So I want to caution everybody that's listening to keep it football related because it does suck growing up that way and having some non-fun black Mondays in my past. Um, These guys are humans too. And we get kind of wrapped up in the fandom of this stuff. So let's keep it to analyzing their football. When it comes to Freddie and the Browns, their football sucked. Uh, Their defense was God awful. Uh, They got away from, we cautioned them all preseason. You better run Chubb. You play action off that. Your offensive line's not very good. Baker Mayfield regressed and they lost a bunch of games down the stretch that were ugly. The one in Arizona probably started the train. And then getting beat by the Bengals bad in the last game, you had to make a move. I looked at the head coaches that they fired. They're still paying a couple of them, but I guarantee you Freddie's was not very expensive. It wasn't a long-term deal, and it wasn't for a lot of money because he was interim for a little bit, or Greg was interim or whatever it ended up being, but they rolled him into it. So I don't think that they're paying that much, but they had to make a move. You have way too much talent, and he lost control of the locker room was the biggest thing. When when Jarvis Landry is screaming at him on the sidelines in Cleveland, and he doesn't do anything about it, when a game doesn't matter, and you're already out of the playoffs, and you don't prove the point to the team and the organization, and you let that slide, you lost the locker room, and you're not going to get it back, and I think they had to make a move. 
Yeah, I, I agree. It's look, we've been talking about this for for several weeks now. When when there's a major difference between talent on paper and performance on the field, one of the first places it always gets looked at is the head coach. And look, we we knew this had a high chance of being of blowing up in Freddie Kitchen's face. We said it all preseason. I think we were probably the only group of people that actually looked at this and said, "Yeah, there's a really high bust rate here." Still, despite all the talent that's there, despite us, I think we all thought they would be in playoff contention, uh, if not even if not a playoff team. And then. In, by the time things got rolling the way they did this season, it became very clear that, oh, this isn't going to work at all. Uh, even for that little run that they tried to make semi-late in the season when they were still technically alive. Look, they have a lot of issues they have to work out in the offseason. And, and honestly, the biggest one starts right now at that quarterback position. Baker Mayfield has to look in the mirror and say, OK, I got hit in the mouth right now. This, this, was, this was an embarrassing season, not a bad season, an embarrassing season. I was in all these commercials, and by the way, I'm all for it. Go get your money. Yeah. I, 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 and again, we're all pro Baker, but you, you, when you put, open yourself up to these things, when you're doing all these endorsements, when you're talking shit about who the Giants are taking at quarterback, when you're doing all of these yeah. things in the offseason. When you're telling fans to come down here and say it to my face in the tunnel before you come out of the last game, come on, dude. You, yeah, no, your, you need to grow the F up. And you know what? He can't. He has the ability to. The, that is fixable. Yeah. Those things are easily fixable. An attitude adjustment, a concentration, getting back into the film room, saying, okay, I got humbled this season. He didn't lose any talent. No. He's not any less talented now than he was 12 months ago. But now he has an opportunity to look at himself as a football player, as a leader, and as a man this offseason and say, I will never, ever let that happen to me again. And I will do everything in my power to make sure that next season is nothing like that at all. And I believe he has the ability to do it, and I believe he will do it, but I want to see him put in that work and put in that effort. And we're not going to know about that for about 10 months. But I believe that's something that he needs to be able to do. But they still have a lot of pieces here. If they don't go crazy and start blowing everything up, you still have an elite running back in Nick Chubb. I imagine they're going to match any offer sheets that Kareem Hunt gets as an RFA. So you're going to have both backs for the full season. You still have got two legitimately good wide receivers in Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. You're going to have to figure out the tight end position because it doesn't look like Njoku is going to be back. You, st- you know, Miles Garrett, we'll see when he comes back next season, but he's a pre- he's not, I don't think he's going to be suspended for the whole season, so he's still a premier option whenever he does come back. You have a star corner. I mean, you have a lot of pieces, a lot of talent on this team. You can bounce back with good coaching and some attitude changes, and maybe those guys in the locker room say, we got humbled this year. However... If things start out poorly next year or those attitudes don't change and the Odo Beckham Juniors and the Baker Mayfields of the world walk right back in the locker room the same way they did this year, thinking the whole world owes them something, then this is going to be the same problem that they had next year. Because you know what's going to happen? The Ravens aren't going away. Ben's coming back in Pittsburgh. The Bengals aren't going to be worse. No. So this is not going to be an easy path for the Browns next year, but they have the ability – as men and as leaders and as football players to correct a lot of the things that sunk them this year. I want to see, do they have the mental toughness and the desire to do it? That's what I want to see. That's going to start with what coach they hire, what kind of leader he is. And the biggest thing they have going for them is their quarterbacks on a rookie quarterback contract and they're way under the cap. So they got to fix the offensive line first, foremost, and most paramount. Fix that offensive line or your quarterback in this run game doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what coach it is. You're still going to struggle. They can do that free agency in the draft with the draft capital that they still have, the fact that they're going to be way under the cap, and they still got some pieces they can move around. So whoever it is better be a damn strong leader that the guys in that locker room with all those giant egos don't think they're bigger than. I think that was part of the problem this year. They had four or five guys that thought they were bigger than the head coach, and he allowed it to happen. Yeah. 
and that's never going to work, right? No. It's, it's, it's not going to work. Uh, we watched what happened in Arizona where they're uh, going nuts on the sidelines, on their head coach. It's just, that's not how any NFL team that's run well operates. It's not. And you need to fix this. But as Jamie pointed out and said very well, this isn't just on coaching. Baker needs to look himself in the mirror and make adjustments in the offseason. I like Baker. This whole show, our whole podcast, big fans of Baker. But I'm big fans of backing up when you talk shit. And he did the opposite of that this year. This isn't Oklahoma anymore. You're not up for the Heisman anymore. This is NFL. You're getting paid big money. These are professionals. And if you're on TV, every commercial break, your fan base that's blue collar is not going to enjoy watching you get your ass whooped every Sunday. And that is just reality. I don't care if it's fair or not. It is reality. And that's, you cannot be fighting with the fans and yelling at them, come say it to my face. Dude, that guy, that guy probably makes $35,000 a year and spends the, all of his money to come watch you play football. Like that's, you have to have some context. You, you signed a $35 million signing bonus, Baker. Like that's, you probably made $50 million. Like, I, I don't even know how much money you made. You were on every commercial. You had big endorsements. There's some, some context understanding. And I hope he... I hope he takes this as a learning lesson and I hope he, I think he can. I I expect that he will come back and and lead this team in a much better way, but he needs to check his ego at the door. And that's a tough thing for anybody to do. And like Jake said, it is going to take the right coach and leader to be able to walk into that locker room and tell those guys to shut the hell up because this is my locker room and I don't care what you did at Oklahoma Baker this is the big boy league and you ain't done shit here in the NFL and that's what I would say if I was a head coach so they better they better figure it out oh that goes for Odell and Jarvis and everybody else in that locker room I don't know about you guys win a bunch of Super Bowls. I don't know about because the last time I checked, you did it to, to me when I look at the situation and look, there's a, there's a lot of different types of coaches and it's not all the head coaches. We've talked about on the show. Full I nausea. There's, there's Full just, staff. Well, one of the problems here, guys, the meddling from the ownership. Yes. Haslam has a lot of Snyder in him. The stuff I'm hearing out of Cleveland, there's like way too many cooks in the kitchen and whoever yeah. they hide. And Dorsey likes to do his own thing. He lets the coaches coach. He, he gets players. He, he likes to meddle in personnel, which can be an issue. Uh, on the coaching staff, but it's how much is the ownership coming down and, and handcuffing the coach and what the coach really wants to do. That's an issue here too. And that's something we're not going to have any answers for. Yeah. Look, they, look, they, they need a leader of men. And I know it seems like a basic thing, but yes, there's, there's scheme guys and there are all these, they need somebody that can go in their locker room and command all of those personalities yep. and all that high end talent and make them and just focus them on one goal and yeah. not their individual goals, the team goals. Yeah. And whoever that guy is better have a staff that's damn good at X's and O's. Absolutely. I will caution everyone again that's listening. When you're talking about, oh, we need to go hire this guy. You don't hire one guy. You hire him and his 24 guys he wants to bring with him that makes up his staff that does 99% of the work all week. If that work sucks, that team sucks. I don't give a damn who the head coach is or who the leader of men is. Yep, and I will caution everybody that was tweeting at me yesterday that Freddie Kitchens was the, I was pulling up some old tweets, that Freddie Kitchens was the future and Mike McCarthy was the past. I would guess that this time around, you would probably think differently about telling somebody who's won a Super Bowl and has tons of connections in the NFL and would be able to make a lot of phone calls to put together a really good staff. I would caution you about saying that is the past, okay? Stuff in the NFL doesn't change that fast. Look at Sean McVay. 
He's out. Out of the postseason, was in a Super Bowl, the Golden Boy last year. The Golden Boy's no longer in the postseason. So it changes pretty damn fast. And to be really good for a really long time, like Mike McCarthy was, is nearly impossible in the NFL. So be careful what you wish for. Or Ron Rivera was, by the way. Yeah. Absolutely. Another coach that did it for a really, really long time. And, and another coach that's getting a second head coaching gig. And I think that people miss I think people don't underestimate the amount that you learn when you get to start back over with so much more information at your disposal. Yeah. You are you know what mistakes you made the first time around. You know what worked, you know what didn't work, you know who worked and who what didn't work. And, and I think that is a huge advantage. And and for Mike McCarthy in particular, Using the, this year off as a way to try to get better, as a way to try to, okay, I am deficient in this area of my coaching game. I'm trying to learn more about it. I'm going to spend a year learning more about it and knowing, okay, what improvements can I make myself when I get my next coaching job? I think people underestimate that value. If you ever, no matter, let's say, just think about this in your own life. If you were, when you were, when you were going through wherever you are in your career path, whenever you got that second job, you felt a lot more confident about what you were doing in that field than when you got that first job. And you know, okay, when I worked at X company, this worked, this didn't work. I learned this trick. I watched this happen. That same thing applies in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think sometimes people think that once a coach is, okay, well, this is who the coach is forever in perpetuity. And and again, I think that's just a mistake of people just not applying real life logic. Yeah. Real life logic and real life working environments to this. This is still ultimately, it's a very exotic. It's very different. But it's still a job and you still learn things. You still grow every day and you still make mistakes and being able to learn from that and go into another gig, especially if this, especially if it's a Browns gig where you have a lot of talent on the roster, you're not, you're not walking into a team that is a five-year project. Uh, I think that could be really valuable to them. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the the next coach we're going to be uh, is a little different, a little more surprising here. Um, listen, a lot of conversation about him getting fired slash them making a move. I just didn't think they were going to do it. Uh, I didn't think that Pat Shermer was going to get fired. But the New York Giants move away from Pat Shermer. They're going to make a move. Uh, a, a lot of what I saw yesterday in that game was – you know, there were moments of excitement. You saw Saquon just looking fully healthy. Uh, Danny Dimes still needs to get that fumbling issue under control. But I, I think that there is some excitement there, some talent there to work around. And I kind of thought that they would give Shermer the opportunity to have the full kind of the full aspect of this offseason with Daniel Jones as your guy, give him a whole season to prepare. And they decided not to, and we'll see if it pays off for them because I think this is this is going to matter. And Pat Shermer, I think, is is probably going to find himself a, another coaching job pretty quickly um, in the NFL. Jake, your thoughts on them moving away from Shermer and and uh, this move for the Giants? He'll be an offense coordinator. He won't be a head coach again anytime yeah. soon. He's nine and twenty three as a head coach of the Giants and the Browns in four years, which. If you're going to keep the GM that you brought in together and the GM makes this decision, this is why I didn't think it was going to happen. The Giants don't do this. They've now done it twice. And this is a new GM, so this is Gettleman's decision, which tells me it's something other than just going 9-23 and 23 in, two, in two years. It's He doesn't think he can do the job moving forward. Um, it, it's a premier job when you're talking about the New York Giants, that media market, that young roster that Gettleman started to turn over. Uh, they need a lot of help on that defensive side. Uh, I mean, James Betcher didn't have a whole lot to work with at all the last two years. They, you know, they they added some draft capital last year. Uh, those guys were young. I mean, they have those pieces on offense that you mentioned. They got to stay healthy. They got to fix the offensive line. But 
it's a really premier job. There's a lot of guys that are going to want that. The names that are going to float around. They're going to be very interesting. And Matt Rule is one of the first ones you're hearing that he and Gettleman worked together with the Giants in 2012. Um, it'd be really interesting to see what direction they go. I mean, I think, again, you need a leadership head coach. I don't necessarily think that this trend of young head coaches that call us plays is going to continue that you saw from last year. I don't, I don't think everybody feels like they have to go that route. And then you see what happened in Carolina. And I think a lot of people are looking at that, that damn, okay, Ron Rivera is a leader. This guy's loved him. And when they fired him, it all went to hell in a handbasket quick. I mean, he's He's probably the top candidate out there for all of these jobs. And I think if you're going to have one open, you better talk to him. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I mean, it's, um, uh, I think the Giants are going to go proven as well. I don't, I don't know that they're going to go unproven guy, but Matt, the Matt Rule is the first one they're talking about. Maybe they are. Yeah, the Giants job is interesting to me because, yes, it's premier in the sense that it's the Giants. You have you have the young QB of the future. You have the a great young running back. You have, I mean, so you have weapons on offense. But I also think that you're going to be on shaky ground. I think if you don't – I think you have a two-year window to get to the playoffs or else I think that's a complete clean house there. I don't know how, how solid ground Gettleman is on at this point. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one of the ones where you come in with a lot of young talent and you can say, okay, we're already a couple years into this rebuild so we can make a push maybe, especially that division, maybe even as early as next year with a really strong draft and some things break our way and Daniel Jones turns the ball over a little less. We can make a push mm-hmm. next year. But I think you have a two-year window where – if you don't do anything, if you're still seven and nine going into like after like the 2021 season, where I think you're on very shaky ground, I don't think the next coach gets three to five years to turn this around. Uh, no, so I don't think, but I think that's every job. That's fair. I, too. I agree. I agree with you that the Giants are probably a little shakier and a little faster than most at this point because they just gave these two years to kind of get it started and nothing happened. Uh, but I mean, I think that's every job at this point. If you don't turn it around, if you don't win more games than you won the year before, you're on shaky ground in year two. Period. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's fair. And look, look, the Giants have a lot of young guys there. We've also talked about Josh McDaniels. We'll see. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm done predicting when, if and when Josh McDaniels will take a head coaching job again. I'm also, I'm also. Like, can we have a, a moment on this on this Josh McDaniels stuff? Because between the the total shit show that was the Indianapolis Colts job with him last year, right, where he burned bridges because that was that was very, very, very unprofessional unprofessional that's not how you operate in any job but especially in the nfl so i can't imagine that there were a lot of people in the nfl that were very happy how do you trust him how do you make how do you make sure that he's actually going to make the move this time i'd be pretty i'd be pretty concerned they're going to lose this weekend and he's actually going to be able to go make this decision without having to wait to the super bowl for sure but that's that's gonna help yeah that sure it helps i just i that has to play a part and also what about this offense this year inspires any confidence that he's going to be the guy to come in and be a great head coach? I, I just I, I understand that that he has been in the past a great coaching potential, but between the the what happened with the Indianapolis job and then the complete lack of any offensive innovation this year in New England, I don't understand why he's a hot coaching candidate. Yeah, I mean, I'm by the way, the first time he was a head coach, it was awful. Yeah. yeah. Who is he bringing with him? Bill ain't letting Thank anybody you. leave. Bill's not letting anybody leave New England. No. And all I these other to... guys that have left and taken other jobs are not getting fired right now. And, and that's, a good, that's a good point because if anybody, by the way, if you haven't seen it on HBO, I recommend it. If you haven't watched the Belichick Saban um, sit oh, down, very good. It's excellent. But uh, Saban and Belichick have a heart to heart about 
why they don't let their staff win. They will they will do everything they can to help you get that next job, but they're not going to let you take their guys. Yeah. And, and they very much candidly talk about how I'll do everything I can to help you advance your career, but I'm not going to let you tear down what we're building here. Yeah. This is, this is something you have to understand as an assistant coach of mine. Uh, I will help you advance, but you're not going to tear down what we're building here. And I think that the same thing is going to apply here. I'm not going to downgrade McDaniel so much for this year's offense because I just think what what are the pieces he has to work with, especially with Edelman being hurt so much this year. But yeah, it's to me is I think he's a name that should be interviewed, and he interviewed with the Giants last year, I believe. So it's not like it's a familiar name for them. But he would not be my top choice. He would not be in my top two or three choices there. But. We'll to your point earlier, Jamie, I mean, this, is, this will be his second head coaching job. I think he will be better than he was the first time, and it was a disaster. He's way too young and was not ready. He did not have all of his guys. My biggest question is, and I would damn sure interview him, who are your guys? Yeah. yeah. Don't save me that he wowed me in the interview. The only thing that should wow you in the interview is the 23 or 4 dudes he's bringing with him. And do you well, feel yeah. like he's a leader? And see, that's save all the rah-rah, like, church preacher stuff that he makes you feel warm and fuzzy as an owner that – that has nothing to do with wins and losses. This ain't college. This thing to me seems like maybe you wait a year. And I know you can't do this because you have teams that are hiring now and firing their coach in a year. But if Josh McDaniels will get a head coaching job and that coincides with Patricia and company getting fired in Detroit, I'd like to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. You can bring in a handful of guys that work together there. They're going to be available. Then all of a sudden you go, okay – you know, you have McDaniels coming in, maybe Patricia's your DC, you bring a few of his assistants on all that staff, and you go, okay, I can see that. Because now you have at least a at least a partial staff of experienced guys that you can start building around and kind of fill in the holes as needed. Yeah. But I, I'm with you, Jake. I, I don't know who you bring in right now. You're not taking anybody off New England. Maybe you get one guy. But that's – you don't build a staff around one guy. So, I mean, who else does he bring in? No, because he's going to be an analyst at best. Yes. Yeah, it's um... – Maybe they bring their film guy. Yeah. Oh, uh, film that guy. He'll probably he'll probably be really helpful uh, for them in, in that division. Uh, there haven't been any other official coaching changes as of right now. Uh, we've talked about Jason Garrett at length. I think we'll wait on when that actually officially happens. It looks like they'll probably just wait out the contract expiration. There's oh, been uh, breaking news. Uh, according oh, to um, yeah, Mike Leslie. Uh, WFAA in Dallas, they have fired their entire coaching staff. Okay. Well, uh, right on cue, Jason Garrett and the whole coaching staff, not a surprise here. Uh, looked like that was the move that was going to be made. And especially in light of yesterday, although they got a victory, they are not in the postseason. Jake, we've talked about it before, but it's now official. Jason Garrett has been in Dallas for a long time. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the Dallas Cowboys moving forward? And I have a feeling, listen, these jobs we're talking about, Washington, Cleveland, Dallas, a lot of meddling owners seems like a common theme for not being very, very good in helping your team be, be victorious. I I think maybe these owners need to start checking their ego at the door because I think there's a common theme here amongst these jobs that are all available. Well, we all know that's not going to happen. I mean, look, it, it had, it had to happen. It was time. I, they didn't make the playoffs, and whoever walks in this job, this door, you're talking about two-year window, it might be one. This might be the most pressure-packed job, period, but you're also walking into a freaking goldmine of a team. You got some salary cap stuff you got to figure out, some pieces you got to keep, but if they're healthy next year, you got to put them in the top five going into the season. They're loaded. They get a couple offensive linemen back healthy. Zeke's under contract. Figure out what you're doing with Amari Cooper. Gallup looked like a freaking star yesterday. He's gotten better throughout the year. You can draft some pieces. Whoever gets this job, 
is walking into the most pressure-filled thing, period, but you're walking into the most talented team other than, and probably including Cleveland. Uh, both of those are ready to win now. So you better be really careful who you hire. There. I still think Ron Rivera would be an awesome fit with Jerry. He's so mild. He's a lot like Jason Garrett when it comes personality-wise. Ego is not big. Let Jerry do his thing. You coach the team. The guys hear your voice every day, and they respect the hell out of you. Your track record speaks for itself, and you can handle all the hoopla that is. You bring in a guy that has his own ego and his own agenda, and it's going to clash with what's going on with Jerry and the whole Dallas media and all that, it's a dumpster fire. they got to be really, really careful. And don't think Jason Garrett was not going to have a job. If he wants one, I think you put his name right there back when you're talking about, you know, we were talking about seven or eight weeks ago, does he the next coach of the Giants? There's a yeah, possibility of that. That, that seems to me like he's got to be interviewed by them, doesn't he? Like, yeah. I think that would be an interesting fit. Yeah. I mean, by the way, when you're talking about this, you're talking about this whole staff just got fired. Yeah. So he's yeah. either bringing Rod Marinelli, who knows what the hell he's doing, Chris Richard, who I don't know if he knows what he's doing or not because he's been with Rod Marinelli and, and Pete Carroll, so he hasn't done it himself. Uh, but you have an entire staff that's been pretty successful. This, this is different than saying, I'm going to go hire Matt Rule from Baylor, and who's he bringing, or Lincoln Riley, or I'm going to go hire Josh McDaniels, and who's he bringing? I mean, it's pro- it's the most sure thing when you're when you're looking at probability. Jason Garrett, with the staff that he brings, is the more sure thing than any of the other options that we just talked about. Other, than Ron, other than Ron Rivera, yeah. Other than Ron yeah. Rivera, right? I, I think those are the two best options. And if I'm Ron Rivera and I'm looking at this coaching situation, Jamie, and I'm going. Washington or Dallas, man, it's an easy call for me to go to Dallas. Yeah, it still looks like he's going to go to D.C., but we'll, you know, we'll see what the situation is there because I also understand – I mean, look, you're, you're both ownership groups medal. Uh, so do you want Jerry meddling with you or do you want Dan Snyder? I, I would always lean to Jerry well, in that The difference one. in Washington is whoever gets that is liable to have total control. That's so, true. If, if Ron, Ron wants to do that with no Allen in the way – that's got to be really enticing to a guy that's done it for a long time, but never had total control of how exactly he wants to build it. And he'll get a longer leash and all all the other things that go with that. So we'll see. I mean, look, there are a lot of factors that go into it. Well, I still think it would be a surprise if he doesn't end up there. Um, To put a bow on this uh, as well, this is another tweet that came out from Mike Florio that uh, because we're talking about Mike McCarthy, uh, he has declined the opportunity to interview with the Browns. Oh, man. So good for for him. him. Yep. That means Good. Kings are probably progressing in Carolina. Yep. That's, He's interviewed with them twice. Yeah. I, think that, I think that's a smart play for them because it looks like you're moving on from all quarterbacks related to that roster, and you need an offensive guy, this quarterback guy, to rebuild that thing. That would be, uh, that would be really interesting. But all wow. Right. That, I mean, he knows yeah. every, everybody in that personnel office. He knows well. They were all in Green Bay together. Yeah. That's really, really interesting. Good for him. Good for him. All right. The last thing we're going to talk about here before we move on and get our kind of one takeaway from each game is uh, Adam Gase's comments on Le'Veon Bell, Uh, mostly because to hear a head coach speak this way about an individual player, um, if you haven't seen it, you can go on Twitter, type in Adam Gase. It's going to be the first thing that pops up, right? It's everywhere. And, And in short, it is Adam Gase being asked about Le'Veon Bell playing in New York next year. And his answer is basically over and over again. I do not make personnel decisions. You should ask Joe tomorrow when you talk to him. I don't make personnel decisions. I don't make personnel decisions. I think he says it about seven times. So to see him react in the way that he does, and I'm not doing a good interpretation of him because he's very smug and angry when he's asking, when he's answering this question, right? Right. Now, I'm sure I would be smug and angry if I had to deal with New York media on a daily basis, too. 
But Adam Gase versus the media is something I am always entertained by. So this is another interesting one to pay attention to because the thing that's been happening in New York is Adam Gase, I don't know about him as a hire. I think it's going to be one that we're – they're not going to make a move now, but it'll be a short leash probably heading into next year. could be something that they change pretty quickly if it doesn't look good in the first couple of weeks. Jake, your thoughts on Adam Gase and him talking about – you know, players like that, and more specifically, whether or not you think Adam Gase is going to last very long in New York. He just finished really strong. Yeah. I mean, the, the last seven or eight weeks, they were solid. Darnold's making progress. The offense looks good. Greg Williams is coaching up that defense. No, I don't think they're on that short of a leash that if it doesn't start good in the first four weeks, they're in any danger of getting fired. The issue here is the GM that hired him is gone, and the GM that's there now is not his guy. So when it comes to I don't make personnel decisions, it's probably that hell, I don't know where I stand because he and I are on the same page because he ain't the dude that hired me, and he's doing all the personnel stuff. So the only reason they would be on shaky ground is because of the GM swap after he got hired. Um, But they finished really strong. I mean, I don't know how you can't have at least some excitement level other than how weird he is in his press conferences expires zero, you know, makes you feel zero confidence (laughs) moving forward. Yeah, I mean, he, look, he he finished pretty strong. His only two, I mean, he it was weird. His only two losses in the back half of the season were to the best team in the NFL and the worst team in the NFL. Uh, but look, they they looked they looked fine. They looked, this Le'Veon Bell situation has, I think, they trade him. This is it's just, an awful contract, right, Jamie? I mean, like yeah. we, we said it when they did it. Like that's a ton of money with a bad offensive line and a young quarterback without a lot of like weapons. Trade him if anybody yeah. will pick that up. I don't think anybody's picking that up. Melvin Gordon lost a ton of money. Running backs look like they grow on trees at this point. With a lot of these guys in third, fifth round picks, they're having so much success. Yeah, and look, the way Adam Gase has run his offense, he's he's never consistently committing to the run. Like this, it is what it is. Even in the games when he should, even in situations when he should, even when the game script dictates that he should, he doesn't always do it. Uh, you could tell from even in the preseason that that Le'Veon Bell was not his choice. Yeah, uh, he did not want Le'Veon Bell there at that price. Uh, and it, look, it, it's just a weird situation there. But Adam Gase isn't going anywhere right now. Sure, if they just go three and thirteen next year, yeah, he'll be gone. But I don't think that's going to happen. You know, Sam Darnold not missing a bunch of time earlier in the year would have made a big difference. Because uh, again, remember the quarterbacks that were thrown out there early in the season, yeah, like Luke bad. Falk and, and these guys were just brutal. Yeah, it was uh, bad. Look, the Jets have a chance to compete. That the AFC East isn't going to be incredibly interesting to watch over the next couple of years because the Patriots are clearly trending down. They're not a bad team, but they're trending downward. Miami, we'll talk about later, looks like they're a couple drafts away from being a real player, especially if they play continue to play that hard under Brian Flores. The Jets are a young, talented team that has a lot of cap space to add some players. The Bills look like they're come good with a young quarterback that now has fixed a lot of his turnover troubles. At least it looks like right now. We'll see if you can continue that into next season. But that division gets to be really interesting. There are a lot of just – there are a lot of eight-win team, eight, nine-win teams in that division over the next couple of years, I think. Good Lord, we've been waiting for it because it's been a long time of the New England Patriots just absolutely dismantling that division. So hopefully they just continue to trend upward and uh, the downward trend continues for the New England Patriots. All right, let's get into these games. Uh, a couple of them, like I said, a lot of teams that the these games meant nothing. So we're going to go quickly, one takeaway, and spend a couple more minutes on the games that mattered. So – Game that did not matter for the Ravens. They still get a victory, 28-10. to 10. The Steelers were end up finishing the season 8-8. Eight eight. Listen, I understand that the Steelers' expectations every year to win a Super Bowl, but to finish this season 8-8 eight eight is honestly a miracle uh, because of the amount of injuries and everything that they sustained this year. Uh, Jake, I'll let you do your one quick takeaway. Their defense was really solid. They look moving forward, getting Ben back. 
it was a great job to get to eight and eight. It really was way overachieving. But that defense moving forward looks like it has the pieces to be dominant, and you're getting a superstar quarterback back. If he comes back as eighty five percent of himself, you got the, you got the pieces to make a run. Yeah, that's my my big takeaway. There's going to be a lot of draft value and fantasy drafts for Steelers next year, particularly Juju Smith Schuster, Red. A really disappointing third year in the NFL. I think there's going to be a lot of value in him next year with Ben Roethlisberger back healthy. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to pay attention to them. I mean, the other thing is to talk about where this was the Ravens-Steelers game. I picked the Ravens to win because I thought all these young guys and guys that were getting a chance to play with this swaggy team were going to play good. You can only sit so many guys. That defense was still dominant. I mean, the Ravens went 14-2 and and looked spectacular. Yeah, it's uh, fourteen and two. Unbel- uh, the, the great season for for these guys. Uh, all right, the Jets and the Bills. The Jets get a victory, thirteen to six. Like we talked about just just a minute ago, the Jets won six of their last eight games. They started the season one and seven, so a bright future potentially for this team. Jamie, you first. Your quick takeaway here uh, that this game was a waste of time. Yes, uh, it was a waste of time for everybody involved. Any game that Matt Barkley is starting is a waste of time for everybody involved. Uh, no, my big takeaway is that the Jets finished strong. They absolutely had to get that. Adam Gase off the hot seat, and it gives their fan base a lot of hope. Uh, they have cap space. They have some moves they can make. They have a fairly decent draft pick. You know, th- this is a team that should be a playoff team next season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this, the game was pointless to talk about. When I, we, we picked it on Friday. I was assuming Josh Allen would play, and they'd want to be hot going in. They didn't do that. The Jets win a blah game. But if I'm a Jets fan, I agree with Jamie. I, there's a lot of stuff to be – cautiously optimistic and excited about going to this offseason, especially when you're talking about the cap space. And we go back to who has the cap space teams with rookie quarterback contracts. They got a chance to build something and roll and Sam Darnold getting better. And they only got a small window to do it, but they got a chance to, to add some pieces to make a run next year. Cautiously optimistic is right. All right. The saints get a victory 42 to 10, just blow the doors off the Panthers 11 games with 30 plus points or more this season in the NFL for the saints. My takeaway, quickly, I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC. They They looked really, really good. Uh, Jake, your takeaway on the Saints, uh, and other than we've talked about the the Panthers, who end the season 5-11, and 11, it seems like we're talking about two completely different seasons for this football team, and obviously they'll be looking for a new head coach. Yeah, I picked them to go 6-10. and 10. I didn't think it would end like this, and I didn't think Ron Rivera would be fired during the season. I mean, the big takeaway from this game, congratulations to Christian McCaffrey for going 1,000-1,000. That's yep. absolutely spectacular on a team that went five and eleven with three quarterbacks. Absolutely, just insane to me that he pulled that off. Stayed healthy with the amount of touches that he had. Like, unbelievable. The Saints look dominant. They look like a lot of these teams. I was thinking with it, they were playing for the number one seed, and they're going to end up playing next weekend, and they're going to be damn glad that they were this hot going in. You do not want to play them right now. Yeah, I think my takeaway is the Saints are the best team in the NFC. Uh, I think they have a, a decent chance of getting two home games there because I think Seattle, San Francisco could be interesting. Uh, that would be my pick there uh, for the round two game. But uh, yeah, my takeaway is that even though they're going to have to go into Lambeau and maybe into San Francisco, that I think that the Saints are the best team in the NFC. They are. I like watching them end the season this hot because they have had years where they've been a really good team, but like Drew Brees looked just okay going into the postseason, and he is looking on fire right now. This team is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, a huge yeah, difference. One other thing, quick there, Paige, is Camaro uh, looks healthy for the first time yeah. all year. The last two or three weeks, he looks dominant, had a big game here. Watch out for him in the playoffs. I think he's gonna. they're going to be back to leaning on him heavily. And and the emergence of Jared Cook in the last half of the season. I mean, Great luckily, point. not Jimmy Graham, but he is a massive yeah. weapon. Yeah. 
on that team right now. They need that secondary receiving weapon. Jake has been screaming about that all season and all offseason, about finding that secondary weapon. He has emerged in that space the last eight weeks, and we all know the other weapons they have on that offense. So that is a tremendous asset for Breeze and the Saints. Yeah, I think we've all liked the Saints in years past coming in, but this is the first year I can remember in the last few seasons where I really liked them and they look at their best at the end of the season, and that's going to matter going in. All right, the Browns and the Bengals. The Bengals get a victory 33-23. to We talked about Freddie Kitchens getting fired. The Bengals tie for the worst record in their franchise history. But they're looking up because they are looking at Joe Burrow, and they're getting excited. They're not making coaching changes. It will be a complete rebuild. I, I assume they're looking at the number one overall pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. Jake, your takeaway from, from this one. Uh, Andy Dalton's a hell of an underrated player. His entire career has been spent there being, uh, I don't know, underestimated, overlooked. He's going to be gone. They're going to have Burrow. That's great. Burrow looks spectacular. I mean, good on you. He's from Ohio. I hope he's not too disappointed about being a Bengal. Um, but my takeaway is Andy Dalton's damn good. Like, he, he's had some issues here and there, but look what he's playing with. And they freaking put up 33 and dust the Browns. Like, it was a hell of a win. I mean, my takeaway was he kept fighting his ass off all the way in, knowing that he's not the guy. And that's that's impressive to me. Yeah, my takeaway here is that Joe Mixon had just an amazing second half of the season yes, he on did. the ground, and it's really good to see he got came back healthy. Uh, he's a he's going to be a star in fantasy football next year. That offense won't be worse than it was this year at times. Uh, you know, especially with Ryan Finley in the game for for a big chunk of that season. So uh, that would be my big takeaway. My, my I guess my other like one B takeaway is that. Andy Dalton's going to make some young quarterback really nervous next season wherever he goes. Hopefully it's Mitch Trubisky. That's why Chicago makes – Chicago's an interesting one there. I think Mariota's also an interesting one for Chicago. Yep. I, I, I assume that that will be Ryan Pace's biggest – uh, goal of the offseason is to make that quarterback room a, l- a little more a little more spicy in the offseason to see what, what they have moving forward. All right, the Washington Redskins and the Dallas Cowboys, uh, both teams are looking for new head coaches. That's the takeaway here. Uh, 47-16 final score. The Cowboys blow the doors off the Redskins. And Ezekiel Elliott becomes the fifth player in team history with 40-plus career rushing touchdowns has the potential, obviously, to end up probably being towards the top of that list. Jake, your takeaway from this one. That this game was pretty close when the Philly game was pretty close. And when they started pulling away, oh, there goes the Dallas Cowboys blowing out the Redskins when it didn't matter. Another takeaway is Adrian Peterson defies all logic of human beings and Mother Nature. I love that point. That's it's a true. great point. Uh, you know, my big takeaway is that, yeah, uh, a lot of it was what Jake said, where, again, the Dallas Cowboys flashing all of their brilliance when it didn't matter, uh, which has unfortunately been the story of their season so far. And from the Redskins side of things, they have an interesting group of offensive players now. Yes, they Stephen do. Steven Stims Jr. really looked good in the second half of the year. Kelvin Harmon came into his own. You're going to have Terry McLaurin. You know, next year, assuming you don't bring AP back, you're – you know, do you bring another running back in that room? Do you try? I mean, they still have Bryce Love there, which we all forgot about. But Bryce Love and Darius Geis coming off injuries. Dwayne Haskins looked a little bit better before. Obviously, you look good for a couple weeks. You look good for a couple weeks. Like, yeah, there's some promising stuff to that young offense too. It's interesting. That team's a lot more interesting than I thought it was six yes, weeks ago. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that is for sure. All right, the Green Bay Packers get a victory, twenty-three to twenty, or should I say, the Lions gave this game away. The Packers clinch a first-round bye, and I am trying to figure out how this team is thirteen and three because I have seen this team 
look bad in so many games, and I know I don't like them, but man, they did not deserve to win this football game. I looked up and thought to myself, this team's going to end up with a first round bye, and the Saints are going to be playing in a game, and I cannot believe it. But they get it done, and they get a bye, and they're going to be hosting uh, the Saints potentially in the second round or whoever it's going to be. And uh, hopefully it ends with the New Orleans Saints just blowing the doors off the Green Bay Packers. But, Jake, your takeaway on this one. The NFC North was not near as good as a division as we thought it was all year. Uh, The Bears, not that good. Lions, we thought, okay, early. And then they've been garbage here late. The Vikings, Kirk Cousins, need need I say a whole lot more. I've been on that train all year. They're okay. I wouldn't really want to play them, but whatever. The Packers have inspired zero confidence for a while. The difference is when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers, and we've talked about this on the show before, when it's not going your way or you come out and it takes you a little while to wake up and you're losing 17-3 to in the second half, and you can step on the gas and go win that game, knowing that you're still playing for the first overall seed, it tells me enough. And Aaron Rodgers tells me enough. They got their deficiencies. We've talked about all that. I don't think they're that great. But when you have the ability to step on the gas when it's time to do it and go win a game, it tells me enough that I still, I mean, they, they deserve to be there. They, they won your, your arbitrary schedule and your record says you are, and they're, they're 13 and three and they got a home by. Yeah. My takeaway is that this team is going to lose by two scores to the saints in a couple of weeks. Uh, well, unless there's a blizzard in Lambeau, uh, which again, that can always happen. And that would be a great equalizer in this matchup uh, that they're a good team. They're not a great team. Uh, Aaron Rodgers can always pull a rabbit out of his hat, but he hasn't really been anything special this season. Uh, and they need to put some more weapons around him. I mean, the, the, the complete inability for anybody besides Devontae Adams to step up on that roster and that receiving core has been uh, a pox on this Packers team all season. So uh, they're a good team. They deserve to be a playoff team. They deserve to be a division winner, but I do not think they're one of the two best teams in the NFC. I'm just unfortunate that uh, th- that they could run into the buzzsaw of the Saints, especially coming off an, a victory uh, in that matchup. All right, the next game we're going to talk about here, the Titans get a victory and end the season 9-7. and seven. They clinch a playoff berth. And listen, I saw that Ryan Tannehill's QBR rating, I think, is the top four all in this season. Um, and had he was top 10 over the last 10 years. I, I got to find the stat, but he's played really well since they made that change. And the Titans are feeling themselves a little bit with a healthy Derrick Henry and this team going into the postseason. Jake, your, your thoughts on this team and, and this game? Uh, after watching the Texans live the week before, I really felt good about the Titans going there and getting a win. They are significantly better. I'm picking them. I'll tell you right now, I'm picking them to go up to New England and win this game. The way they're running it, Derrick Henry missing that week was awesome for him. He was an absolute monster. Congratulations on the rushing title. Their defense, stingy enough, exotic enough. Vrabel has played them well before. He knows that. I, I'm picking them to go up there and win it. Uh, that's my takeaway is I, I'm glad it all went the way that it did. Kansas City got the bye. And New England has to host them next week because I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, yeah, my, my takeaway is that the Titans are for real and they're a contender in the AFC. And Derrick Henry has emerged again in the last 16 months as a true premier elite running back in the NFL right at the right time because he's a free agent this year. So yep. uh, it's going to be very interesting to see because the Titans have a lot of things you're going to have to do. You can't franchise both him and Ryan Tannehill. So yeah. you have to figure out what you're doing there and somebody's going to get paid there. What the hell else do you see from Tannehill? You ain't franchising him. Give him some money. No, I, I agree. I'm just saying if, if you hold things out too long. Uh, but, you know, I, look, Tannehill has been extremely efficient. And I think if you just box score scouting, you can see that. But watching him play, he just doesn't uh, – his volume hasn't been that high, but he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. 
And the emergence of oh, the other takeaway here is I think my vote for rookie of the year offensively is going to AJ Brown. I agree uh, I think with you. Josh Jacobs missing these last couple games. AJ Brown over a thousand yards. Him, him being his emergence has been a huge reason why this Titans team has played as well. Yes, Derrick Henry is the biggest reason, or the, one of the biggest reasons. I think Tannehill is the biggest reason, but AJ Brown is right up there. Yep. Uh, and I think he gets my offensive rookie of the year vote, especially after another huge performance in this game. Uh, I'm with you, Jake. I think the Titans go into New England and win. All right, the Jacksonville Jaguars get a victory 38-20. to 20. We talked about Marone potentially losing his job on previous podcasts. He, he looks like, as of right now, there hasn't been a move made, and we will see and pay attention to that one closely and see if on the next podcast we're talking about a coaching change there. But the Colts end the season 7-9. and nine. They're going to be looking at some changes and, and a lot of cap space in the offseason, so this could look a lot different going into next season. Jake, your takeaway from this one. Bad loss for the Colts. Jacoby Brissett has not been good down the stretch. Yes, they're banged up, but he played really solid all year, minus the last four weeks. Uh, he was not great. They have to add pieces to this roster, which they should be able to do. They got a lot of cap space. They need to get a little more aggressive than they were last year. Uh, offensive line's really good. They need to stay healthy. The secondary was banged up. The receiving core was banged up, and T.Y. is starting to get up there a little bit. Uh, you got to add some pieces there, which they did last year. Paris Campbell looks like he could be emerge and be a player. Uh, Jacksonville, solid win. You finish the year putting up 38 points and winning by 18 against a division rival. When Diana Rossini, who maybe ought to check our sources a little better, reports that Doug Marone's going to get fired in the locker room after the game and the club comes out and denies it right away. Uh, but, you know, young team, they got behind big uh, Minshew and Minstash Mania, and the fans were loving it, and it was a good win for them without Leonard Fournette, who didn't play with the flu. Yep. Uh, I have two takeaways uh, take from this game uh, for both from the Colts side. One that – Jacoby Brissett needs to make a lot of changes this offseason. He has been not just bad, he's been horrible for the last half of the season. And I know there's been a lot of weapons around him that have gotten hurt, and that's a factor too. But he has been a non-factor for this Colts team. He is going to be their starter next year. so he is going to, And this is a team that can compete for a playoff spot in the division, so he's going to need to be a lot better. My other takeaway is that T.Y. Hilton was playing with a two-freaking-centimeter tear in his calf, and he's been out there for like the last three yeah, weeks. Yeah, he's a freak of nature. My God. Yeah. It's uh, somebody on the other sideline didn't play with the flu. My God. Yeah. Uh, check. Who also is looking for some money who had a really solid year and didn't get hurt for the first time. And oop, I'm going to shut it down for the last week. I would make my girlfriend wheel me around in a wheelchair. If I had a two centimeter tear (laughs) in my calf and TY's out there making catches like that's, So for all, for all the idiots that were – and there were, there were only a few, but for all the idiots on Twitter talking about T.Y. Hilton as being a problem or too injury prone all this other BS, like come on. That is – Come on. Uh, all I can imagine right now is Jamie being wheeled around in a wheelchair because he's got a little fracture. So now, now, I'm, now, I'm, now I'm entertained and I'm completely off track. All right. The Kansas City Chiefs get a victory 31-21. to 21. The Chiefs clinch a first round bye. My takeaway here is that this team looks really good. They, they're like kind of the, they flew under the radar a little bit because Mahomes injury and they're, everything's kind of fitting together nicely for this team. And Andy Reid's going to have another week to prepare for whatever team's coming into Kansas City. They have a bye. They're going to be healthier. And Mahomes looks like he did last year. He's looking really good. So I think there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Jake, I know Kansas City uh, obviously holds a special place in your heart. We both love Arrowhead. Is there going to be some Kansas City magic this year? Or what's your what's your takeaway? Because I, I do not even want to talk about the Chargers. I'm, I'm just fed up on talking about them. I'll talk about them slightly. Uh, yes, they, it looks like it's starting to feel that way, right? Like Miami goes and beats New England. They yep. take care of the Chargers. They sputtered a little early. Got a big kickoff return from Hardman. 
And they put up 31, like they always do. Uh, what was the final of this one, by the way? 31-21. 31-21. Oh, I picked it on the head. Just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And they covered. I thought, I thought that might have been the case. No, look, another one is if this was Phillip Rivers' last game for the Chargers, you're talking about a Hall of Fame career for a guy that ends with an organization who's given it his all and done it the right way. Uh, I can't – we cannot talk about this game if this is his last one without mentioning his career and what he's done. Absolutely. And, you know, my couple takeaways are, one, uh, this Chiefs offense looks a whole lot different now that Damian Williams is starting to get going. He had that big 84-yard touchdown, but he was good in that game even regardless of that big run. Uh, because I still think that there's they're still leaving points on the table in Kansas City. Like Mahomes is playing fine, but he isn't playing like we saw him play last year. So if he he gets that hits that extra gear in some of these games, Kansas City can really, really be a contender in the AFC. And uh, but yeah, I mean that's my biggest takeaway: Damian Williams being back and healthy and running hard gives the Chiefs another dimension. Because again, my concern is when they weren't able to run the ball and they were struggling on defense. Now that defense is playing a lot better, they lose Juan Thornhill for the rest of the year, uh, which sucks. But the defense still playing a lot better. Honey Badger with another pick in this game. Uh, now they're having a little bit of running game. They're starting to look like, okay, this is a team that doesn't have a glaring weakness anymore. That's a team that can compete. Yep. Uh, all right. The Chicago Bears get a victory 21-19. They end the season 8-8. Eight and eight. The Vikings didn't really play anybody in this game that mattered, but I'm a big yawn fest on the Minnesota Vikings uh, as of now. Jake, your thoughts on this one and, and your takeaways. Yeah, I mean, it makes no sense for the Vikings to rest everybody. I mean, they feel like I felt like about them all year, about themselves. Like, they should be this thing, but they haven't been this thing, right? Now you sit everybody and you expect to turn it on next week and try to get as healthy as possible. They were pretty banged up. Uh, good good win by Chicago, playing nobody uh, for the Vikings. I mean, you got it done. Other than that, I don't really take away anything. Chicago's got some big decisions to make in the offseason. They could add some pieces. They could bounce right back. They, they really could. I mean, that, that my big takeaway is I'm not sure Minnesota, if, they, if they're healthy, they are capable of making a solid run. We'll see. Yeah, my, my big takeaway from this game was that Mike Boone had the big game one week too late for everybody who played him on Monday yeah. in fantasy. Um, my only other thing that was, was really interesting, and uh, Charles Robinson of Yahoo, who is pretty on the money with this stuff, he doesn't just report BS. He said there's some interesting things going on in the Minnesota front office that they are extremely high on Kevin Stefanski and they know that he is going to be a hot head coaching candidate. That he says, don't believe for a second that if Minnesota loses this playoff game, they will consider moving on from Mike Zimmer just so they can retain Kevin Stefanski. So hmm. something to kind of keep an eye on. This is not that they're, they're active, but something that has been just to be aware of because of how Asinine. high they are that, that there's, there's a little bit of shaky ground there just because they, they're in love with their offensive coordinator right now. Asinine. Yep, I agree. He's but been your offensive coordinator for one year and your offense was eh. Please do it, Minnesota. Yeah, from the Bears fan on the podcast, go ahead. Chicago Bears Nation, thank you. Uh, by the way, I'm pretty sure the Bucks play them next year. Go ahead. They do. Although, to be fair, the, the Bears have beat the Vikings four straight games now. And yes, they've they taken have. care of the Lions ten straight games. Really the only team in the division that's had any luck against uh, Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky has been Green Bay. And that's yeah. that, other than that, there hasn't been anybody to worry about in the division. All right. The game of the weekend. The, Minis, or the Miami Dolphins go into New England and get a victory 27-24. to 24. I would like to give us all a pat on the back. For, I went back and listened to the podcast. I called it the lock of the century that the New England Patriots did not deserve the 16-point favorite in this game. 
Okay. So hopefully you listened to the pod. Hopefully you took Jamie's advice on going, Hey, just throw 10 bucks on, on the dolphins money line winning this game. Right. Because I didn't think they could do it, but man, new England is in a bad place losing a game and losing a losing their position. They are going to be playing on wildcard weekend for the first time. And I think since 2009, I believe that was the stat that I saw. Not great news if you're Tom Brady. Not great news if you are the New England Patriots. Jake, your takeaways other than we all enjoyed this. This was not a quarterback under 26 that just whooped him. This is a quarterback over 36 that whooped him. Fitzmagic was money again. And if you're the freaking Dolphins, go ahead and draft somebody at the fifth pick if you want to. You're just fine with Magic for one more year. you got a lot of stuff going on in the next two drafts. I think you might even be fine setting up some stuff for another year. And fixing a bunch of holes. Because dude has been absolutely spectacular for you. Devontae Parker was unbelievable in this game. He has turned into a freaking super star. Goes well over 100 yards against the Patriots defense, which nobody's done all year. My biggest takeaway is all Miami. Yeah, my, my biggest – there's a couple things. I One, I agree with you completely, Jake. I think you take two and you redshirt them. Yep. There's no, it's the perfect scenario. Let him heal up. Let him learn. I mean, I, I think that's the – again, that's what you ideally would want to do. Uh, I saw a tweet that was really funny. They said, like, it, it sucks that the – it's amazing that the Patriots are going to keep getting beat by the future of the NFL over the next 10 years. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, <laughs> Fitzpatrick played great. Devontae Parker was has been the only receiver that – I mean, he, he did all that on Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. Like, he was, he was putting up yards, and Gilmore got a couple of plays on his own, but Parker beat him consistently and look everybody has a bad day i still think gilmore's probably defensive player of the year but Devontae parker's glow up this year yeah. has been just unbelievable he is a legit weapon in this team uh, i loved everything about this and my big takeaway is that it's the path look i don't think the patriots are going to beat the titans but they could i think people are overreacting people are going to overreact to the point like the patriots are the worst team in the nfl again and, and it's going to be stupid but Having to win an extra game, potentially, to get to the Super Bowl, the path to the Super Bowl, which I don't even think they're going to win one, but even if they do, is a big difference. This is an older team. This is a team that is, that's struggling on all facets of the game offensively. It just To me, that, that is the difference between this team maybe being able to pull off some upsets along the way because that following week, they're going to go to Kansas City. Yeah. So even if they can get by the Titans, I cannot see them going into Arrowhead and, beat, and, put, and being able to put up offense with Mahomes and company. I yeah. just can't see it. And it's a huge difference when we know the statistics behind. When Belichick has two weeks to prepare for a team, his record is ridiculous. How about Andy Reid's record? I was record? just about to say, yeah. just like Andy Reid. Yep, and now, not going to have two weeks to prepare, old Bill. You got a game playing this weekend, and uh, it's going to be a lot different for New England than it has been in years past. All right, the Eagles and Giants, 34-17 final score. My takeaway, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, is Saquon Barkley, have yourself a day, brother, throwing up deuces midway through his run. Just fantastic to see him fully healthy because he is one of the premier offensive players in our league, and it's always a crime to not have those guys be healthy and man it was good to see him just have another really really strong performance at the end of the year jake your your takeaway other than eagles clinched the nfc east and i'm i'm saying it in that tone on purpose because i don't care about this division and they don't belong in the postseason i'll tell you who does belong in the postseason that's carson wentz who wins four games down the stretch with zero interceptions puts the team on his back and it's time the eagles fans celebrate a star in this league, an elite quarterback, not somebody that gets hot and takes you in the playoffs, and that's awesome. Celebrate Nick Foles for that year, but get the damn monkey off of his back. It is Carson Wentz's team. It's Carson Wentz's city. And if you don't see that, if you're an Eagles fan, 
you buy another jersey because you're an idiot. It is time to celebrate this guy as the star that he is. And I think Doug Peterson deserves a lot of credit, too. Absolutely. Philadelphia fans have been very critical of that combination. By the way, James, sorry to cut you off. Four 400-yard games in a row to finish the season. And there's literally dudes catching passes that I'm going, who the hell is that? Yeah. Like Greg Ward even got hurt for part, parts of this game. I mean, it was a Boston Scott who was a practice squad guy that got cut from the Saints practice squad last year. And like, yeah. I mean, the guy has bounced around. It scores the essentially the game winning touchdown after the after the fumble by Daniel Jones. Look, the Eagles are really banged up, and this is going to be this Philadelphia Seattle game is going to be extremely interesting because you have two extremely banged up teams that I don't that I think one of them has to win. So yeah, but right now they're so they lost Brandon Brooks for the season. That's what we found out for the Eagles right now. Uh, Miles Sanders has an ankle sprain. We don't know if it's a high ankle sprain yet. We'll find out more information today. He's going to try to gut it out, but he's not going to be 100% for this game. Avanti Maddox, their slot corner, has been their best defensive back this year. Hurt himself in this game. He might not play as well. They're just running out of bodies uh, in Philadelphia right now. So uh, it's going to be but tough. But you've got a hot quarterback and a coach that's dialing it up. But you're putting up 400 yards a game with a bunch of dudes nobody's ever heard of with your right tackle superstar out for most of those? Dude, yeah. Carson Wentz, come on. I, I, I mean, I agree with you. They're banged up to hell, but they're hot, and the quarterback's playing really good. I think it's still going to be a really good game. And they have the home game. So. Yeah, and the home game. And yeah. a horrible defense they're going to be playing against. Yeah, it, that is for sure. All right, the Falcons and the Buccaneers. <laughs> can I read you Bruce's quote for today about Jameis? Yes, you can. Both okay. teams, so both teams end 7-9. and nine. Uh, Shout out to Shaq Barrett, who has the most sacks in a single season for Tampa in Tampa Bay history. 19 and a half sacks this season. Uh, he had a spectacular season. It was a joy to watch. Uh, Levante David had a great season. They just, overall, this team, the way that they've played over the last few weeks – this was a team that deserved, like, who I would have loved to see in the postseason. But they have a quarterback who loves to give the other team 14, 21, 7. He loves to give points every single week to the other team. He likes to spot the other team points and then go, okay, now let me come back. So I, I already warned Jake, I already told Jamie that I was going to go on a tangent because I had to listen to Jameis's postgame yesterday where he was asked about – uh, about his season, about how he was playing. And his answer back was so cocky and dumb. And I was so pissed off watching it because he goes, look at the stats I'm balling. And he's lucky that he's in Tampa because if he was in New York, I think somebody would have rebuttaled with, am I supposed to be looking at the interceptions that you've been throwing Jameis or what stats exactly are you talking about? Which 30 column? Which, are yeah, which 30 column are we looking at here, Jameis? Because the joke yesterday was that there should be a 30 for 30 on you and this season. Now, listen, and they should call it 30 for 30. Yes, exactly. And listen, uh, while I get it, statistically in some categories you've looked great, but guess what doesn't look great? Turning the ball over. Nobody wins in this league when you turn the ball over consistently, period. End of sentence. Doesn't matter if you throw for 10,000 yards in a season. If you turn the ball over two or three times every game, it doesn't matter. So you know what, Jameis? Maybe next time when you answer that question, you should not say, look at the stats I'm balling, because that's not exactly true, brother. So to be fair, he is right in the sense that if he never throws another interception for the rest of his career, he <laughs> would be the best quarterback in the NFL, given all his other stats. Yes, So course. he is right. So if he turns interceptions off yeah, on the settings, on he'll, settings. Be, he'll be the best quarterback in NFL history. Yeah, just turn that setting off, uh, I, I This is a quote from Rosarians today uh, answering questions from, from the media uh, about whether or not the, the Buccaneers could win with another quarterback. The quote is, with another quarterback, 
quarterback? Oh, yeah. If we can win with this one, we can definitely win with another one too. <laughs> and if you didn't know by now, <laughs> you will always know where you stand with Bruce Arians. There ain't no bullshit <laughs> coming out of his mouth at these press conferences. Oh, my God. Uh, well, if that doesn't tie a bow on the Buccaneers season, I don't know what does. Uh, Jake, feel free to uh, give us your takeaway from this one since I just stole about five minutes of your time. No, you're good. I mean, look, the, the Jameis thing, I don't know what the hell you're supposed to expect him to say after in that press conference when you do that. Congratulations on winning the passing title, I guess. Uh, <laughs> look, I mean, the, ga- the game was a microcosm of their season. Yeah. What if? I'm so tired of the what ifs, but I'm telling you right now, instead of what if, watch out for this team next year. I told you guys early in the season, it felt like a lot like my dad's first year in Arizona. And they turn that corner. Now they give away two home games where they just beat the crap out of the other team. This game should have been 31-16 at one point. And Matt Gay goes over three and misses three field goals. There's two 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 games specifically divided by you know decided by a kick. Um, you just give it away. I mean, James is going to take a lot of heat for the overtime pick six. It should have never been there. Uh, my biggest takeaway is this defense played spectacular down the stretch. And the yep. biggest thing in this free agency uh, for the Bucks is not who the quarterback's going to be. Is keeping this this defense together. Yep, totally agree. Jamie, any other thoughts? Uh, my other thought is I still think even after all of that that it would be prudent to franchise Jameis. Um, I don't want to lock him up to a long-term deal, but uh, if, if I was in that situation, but I don't know if you're going to find a better option for for 2020. Uh, at that point, you might start looking at options long-term, but for 2020, he still provides you enough upside because this team is – I expect this team to be a playoff team next year. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the division necessarily if Drew Brees and company come back, but this is a team that's going to be that scary five seed in the NFC that you go – I don't want to play that team because that team can make a run, yeah. especially on the road, because they have enough talent to, especially if everybody is healthy, unlike what happened this year, especially if they can figure out the, the hamstring issues. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is still uh, the difference this defense has played in the last eight to 10 weeks has been, uh, is the biggest takeaway I think Bucks fans should have because people are going to look at their overall numbers this season. Jake pointed this out on the show last week. You're look at their overall numbers this season and miss a lot of the progress that they made. And I think that's a mistake because that side of the ball is playing extremely well. And next year when they don't have when they don't have those issues. Oh, and by the way, especially if Jameis doesn't give the other team the ball inside their own red zone. Yeah, no kidding. Once a game. Yeah. I think all of those issues on defense would look a lot better. Like their their adjusted stats, uh, I think they're like their 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 defensive like DVOA when they adjust for where you are on the field are like top ten in the NFL. Yep. And people don't realize that because they just see the final score. And they're yeah. well, one, one other thing worth noting, this is the second youngest team in the NFL that made progress. Yep. Everywhere, and that includes Jameis. Jameis got a hell of a lot better throwing the deep ball for most of the season. He missed a bunch last week, but a super windy uh, both of these last two home games where he missed uh, Perriman last week on three or four deep shots. But everybody on this team got better. Ronald Jones, breakout year. Expect big, big things. Went over 100 yards yesterday on like 12 carries. Um, Perriman, who we're probably going to lose because he just made himself some money, turned into a star in the last four or five weeks. But there's a lot, a lot, lot, lot to like. And you think about the progress of the quarterback position. I'll, I'll, I'll get off the bucks with this. That's a really good offensive stab. You're talking about my dad, Tom Moore, Clyde Christensen, Byron Leftwich, who I think you have, we have to talk about too, doing a hell of a job as an offense coordinator his first year, growing top three offense, breaking every franchise record and points and yards and everything else. Um, whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Jameis making more strides or somebody else, if they decide to go that route, is going to be extremely well coached and is going to put up numbers. So if you think there's going to be this giant drop off, go back and look at BA's last 20 years in the NFL. Kelly Holcomb threw for 450 in the snow in a playoff game in Pittsburgh the last time the Browns went to the playoffs. 
He can do it with some guys you've never heard of. So if it is Jameis is coming back, I would expect big progress from him too. But he also got coached that way this year and still had a bunch of turnovers. So it's going to be really interesting. But I'm telling you, the that defense staying together is going to be paramount. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see what they can do in the draft to add to that already talented defense. All right, the Oakland Raiders and the Denver Broncos, 16-15. Neither one of these teams will be in the postseason. But the Broncos did win four of their last five. Looked like they got something in Drew Locke. And most importantly, Drew Locke can rap young Jeezy and God love him. The entire NFL, I saw Tyron Matthew tweeting about it, Patrick Peterson tweeting about it, Frank Clark tweeting about it. They're like, Dude, we love you for this because he is just, I mean, he is spitting. He is so into it. And if you haven't seen the video, just go type in Drew Locke and you're going to have yourself uh, at least 30 seconds of laughter. Uh, Jake, your takeaways on this one. My takeaways are I'm not happy that the Bucks play the entire AFC West next year. As Jamie is pointing Friday, that could be the best division of, uh, in football. I, I love what the Raiders are building with more draft capital and all these young guys coming back healthy. I love what the Broncos have going on with that young offense. And you know their defense is going to be solid. Uh, you know, I think with the, with the Chargers, is going to be really interesting because I think you might end up with Josh Rosen and Andy Dalton. They could, they could afford both. Uh, be really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, but, man, and then the Chiefs are the Chiefs. So, like, whew. I liked I – liked, look, the Raiders fought their tails off. They have all year. They lose, what, four out of the last five. They, they kept fighting. Gruden did a nice job with them. But I really like what the Broncos are building with Drew Locke. Yeah, my takeaway is that both these teams have winning records next year. Uh, and I really like what both these teams have done. Uh, Denver's really played up to their t- – like they had some hard, tough luck losses early in the season that really got them down. They ended up moving on from Emmanuel Sanders and Joe Flacco gets hurt and all this other stuff. But Drew Locke looks like he can play. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be an elite quarterback by any means, but I'm saying he looks like he can be a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. Phillip Lindsay, back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons as an undrafted player. Royce Freeman still looks good. Noah Fant. Late in the season, started to come into his own. Cortland Sutton, uh, if Cortland Sutton played with Patrick Mahomes, he'd be a superstar. Uh, he's so he's still a damn good player. But just if Drew Locke takes another step forward, I think he will could jump into that superstar echelon. They need some other weapons there. It looks like they're going to bring back. They're going to pick up um, the option on Va- on Von Miller. I think John Elway said today. So uh, all that stuff is is really exciting to see there. They're going to be a really good team next year. And Oakland, same thing. When they get healthy, they need another weapon on the outside because Antonio Brown not being there. Tyra Williams is fine as a number two. Can't lead your team uh, as your number one option, especially with a Liz Frank injury. Hunter Renfro looks like a hell of a pick. Another 100-yard touchdown game here for him. Darren Waller, it it was a just great story overall, but another great asset for them. Jacobs is going to be a star. So they have a lot of pieces. That offensive line, to as much as I, a lot of those picks on the offensive line didn't look good the year they made them, they played a lot better this season. If they keep that up next year, uh, this is going to be a really solid team when they get healthy on defense. They need a lot of help in the secondary still yep. at both cornerback positions. But uh, this is going to be a team that can compete next year. Both of them are going to be in. I'm, I'm really excited to see how that division shakes out next year because I think both these teams are going to be in wildcard contention throughout the season. All right, Cardinals, Rams, Rams get a victory 31-24. The Rams have won six straight games against the Cardinals. The Cardinals end the season 5-10-1, are not moving on from Vance Joseph. They're not making any big moves here. Um, But listen, they were an exciting team. They kind of were exactly as we expected them to be. Uh, And the Rams missing out on the postseason was exactly what I expected them to do, and they're out, and they have – a very interesting offseason ahead. I really look forward to as a teaser when we are going to go through each team and break down 
what they have available to them, their cap situation, what free agents are out there that they could go after. Because as Jake said on last week's on last podcast, everybody's going to go after theirs because they can't. Yeah. Jamie Jamie yeah. named their free agents last week. They got a six million dollar kicker. They're not going to be able to resign. You got to give Jalen Ramsey the money and probably sign Dante Fowler, which means you're losing the best cover middle linebacker in football in Littleton, and they're going to get poached. There's there's mm-hmm. a bunch of guys they're going to try to move on from. Uh, Brandon Cooks probably being one of them. I think he's at like twelve million. That are going to get poached off this team. They are going to be significant, significantly less talented from a strictly talent standpoint than they were this year, or next year. And if I was the Arizona Cardinals, look at their cap space. I would I'm be going to get Littleton from them and let him play in that division. That dude is an absolute beast, and they need yep. a middle linebacker help. Hicks had a great year for them, but you put those two next to each other, whew, phenomenal. Look, the Cardinals were better than I thought they'd be. Kyler Murray. Had his ups and downs. I think he's a little bit overrated from some of the stuff. He misses a lot of open throws. And he threw a lot of picks in the last three or four games. And he had a couple pick sixes dropped. But they were better. They, they, they had the tie. They came back and, and tied the, the Lions in week one. And they got five wins. That's more than I, I picked them to have. I, I said they'd be 3-13, 4-12, but they'd be exciting. Vance Joseph gets to keep his job because the defense was better down the stretch. Yeah, I, I look at this Cardinals team and I say, there's reason for optimism. I thought Kyler Murray played well. I thought he had a solid rookie season. That's, that's his as much praise I'll go throw on that. I think people are starting, like Jake said, to overrate it a little bit, especially we're in Arizona, so we hear it all the time. Uh, he had a solid rookie season. Uh, I, no major complaints, but he also didn't have this phenomenal rookie season. I think it's going to be spun in this offseason uh, around this part of town. A lo- they uh, looks like they found the running back of the future in Kenyon Drake if they re-sign him. Chase Edmonds looked really good as well, and that combination should should go well for them. I know they spent all of these picks on wide receivers last year, and it's going to hurt them to spend more draft capital at that spot when they have issues elsewhere. But I do think they need another weapon, with or without, whether Larry Fitzgerald retires or not. Um, they need another weapon there. Uh, I don't know if they're going to use their first pick on that. I know everyone is, is, is mocking them, CD Lamb. Everybody on earth is mocking them, CD Lamb, and I understand why. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't. I don't know if on that team. Uh, unless they go out and acquire more first round picks, I don't know if that's a you can invest a top five pick. Uh, in that spot or top 10 pick in that spot. Uh, but uh, we'll see what, what they do with the offseason. And with the Rams, it's going to have to be internal success. Jared Goff's going to have to play a lot better next year. Todd Gurley's going to have to play a lot better next year. Cooper Cup's going to have to play a lot. He had a good season, but he's going to have to play a lot better next year. Jalen Ramsey's going to have to be a superstar and be on the field every game next year. Their, their, own, their path back to the playoffs is just going to have to be their own guys playing at a higher level because they're yeah. not going to bring in outside help. They can't bring in outside help. Yeah. They don't want a first-round pick until the end times. Yeah. So this is going to have to be the coaching staff looking at themselves in the mirror. Uh, it looks And Sean McVay in particular going, okay, they got, they got me finally. Yeah. How do I just back? Yep. I'm the boy genius. Okay. That's a good challenge. All right, I got punched in the mouth this year. Yep. Okay, how, how, how am I going to react back? They also might move on from Wade Phillips, and I don't know if you're going to find a better defensive coordinator. Look, their defense has not played up to their talent level the last couple of years. I've talked about that a lot. But I don't think you're going to find a better coordinator or a better person to, to run that room than Wade Phillips if they move on from him. Yeah. Not, and not and have a, a tiny ego about it in a giant ego-filled L.A. market, right? Wade Phillips yeah. is kind of the, the perfect fit to do that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, one other thing to note here, moving on for Les Need and company, they could get really creative – if they want to trade trade Gerald Everett for a piece, would it look like Higby kind of became the guy? If yeah. they want to trade Cooks instead of having to cut him to save that calorie, salary cap, and then maybe, okay, they sign Dante Fowler, but then they trade him for a first-round pick, right? Like they could sign a couple of these guys and then trade them and get really – they're going to have to get really creative. I mean, they, they can't just 
go to it's 2022 before they have a first round pick again. That, that they cannot be successful. Not that you want to lose Dante Fowler to get a pick, but like I don't, you can only got so much to do. You're going to have to get really creative to try to to move some stuff around. Yeah. yeah, they're going to have to get creative. Brandon Cooks is an interesting one. I think Malcolm Brown is another one they need to consider. He was he was a guy that got was sought after by a few different teams as an RFA last year. I'm not sure what his exact situation contract wise is. But he didn't he, do a lot this year though. Last year he flashed and looked really good. No, but maybe you go back to Detroit and see if you can get something from them. Since they yeah, true, to, true. You know, just something where like if you believe if you can get Henry, something back for some of these guys and you think Henderson's yeah. at all, yeah, like you you have to keep what you have and move on. So that's exactly my point. It's a great great uh, example. All right, the game that was – I called the Miami Pitt and New England game the game of the weekend. This was truly the game of the weekend. Sunday night football, 26-21 final score for the San Francisco 49ers. In true Russell Wilson fashion, he brings this I, – I, with about 10 minutes left, I'm going, this it's over, right? And then they score a touchdown, make it interesting, get the ball back, and they're driving. They're down on the four. They're down on the one yard line, and they take a delay of game penalty that moves them back to the six. I was crushing blow. We could break down the last five minutes of this game for an hour, but what matters here most is the San Francisco 49ers clinch home field advantage in the NFC. They clinched the one seed. That is a huge difference than what they would have been looking at had they lost this game. And at the end of the day, we all have talked about whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo could get it done. He did enough in this game to win the division in a really, really tough, tough environment. It was, as we've talked about their home field advantage has been not as good because there's not the defense there anymore. But last night on the broadcast, it was so freaking loud in that stadium. The Seahawks fans brought the noise and good on the Niners to get it done because there was a last-second opportunity for the Seahawks to take advantage, and and they didn't. Uh, Jake, your your thoughts or your takeaway from this game? Look, the lime green machine is always loud, but they are now one game over 500 the last two years at home, which yep. means they're not that good of a team. Russell Wilson is that good of a player. He was spectacular. It felt like all night that if San Francisco could get it done, this bye week could do them so much resting and recovering. They're so banged up. D Ford's going to be coming back. They talked about in the broadcast did a great job of how many more snaps. They had a great rotation all year and how the sack production has come off when D Ford got hurt and all these guys had to play that many more snaps and they're not as fresh. They're going to have all six, seven of those pass rushers, defensive linemen back in the playoff game now that they're getting this bye week. Uh, They were down a corner last night. They were down both starting safeties last night, and they got it done. And the New Orleans Saints get screwed by the officials in this stupid pass interference thing again. Because if they call pass interference, they get the ball at the one, and Beast Mode is getting Skittles thrown on him again, and they win the game, and the Saints are, what, the one seed? Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, wow, because it was pass interference. I mean, I, I it, it pains me not to say that I don't really care they got hosed. But I hate the officiating worse than I hate the Seahawks. So they got host. It was pass interference. It should have been a booth review. They absolutely should have done it. They got screwed. And then what a freaking play by the linebacker to finish the game. After yes. And could you get closer to lose to the Falcons two weeks ago? And then, and then win, this, win this game. I mean, both games in less than an inch. My tweet last night was game of inches. Uh, and I think it, it also goes worth, worth noting with the 49ers. They played the best teams in the NFL the last six weeks. And they've come out of it pretty unscathed other than injuries, and they're going to be healthy moving forward. That team looks – if they get healthy enough, they look really, really good. Yeah, that whole whole final sequence of the game was wild. Uh, Russell Wilson going up and spiking the ball on first down instead of running a QB sneak or another play was interesting there. 
Uh, you know, the delay a game penalty. I, I, there's How been, is Pete Carroll not taking more heat for that, by the way? Well, he's yeah. starting to, and he's starting to because I think a lot of people are going – and again, maybe this is just a creative narrative. We didn't have the camera on – you know, there was one, the work Patriots weren't involved, so there wasn't a camera like directly on the sideline to see what was happening with the coaching staff, but – uh, there was a lot of talk that Marshawn Lynch didn't have his helmet ready. I was going to say how much of it was they wanted Marshawn Lynch and he wasn't ready to go in and Brian Schottenheimer's trying to call a play and they don't know if if Beast Mode's got his helmet. Yeah, there's definitely an aspect to that. But you're the head yeah. coach. And that, that they're trying to basically make up uh, essentially for that Super Bowl uh, mistake, uh, throwing the ball there. Uh, and then again, the third down play where – you know, it could not be more pass interference. Could yeah. not possibly be more pass yeah. interference. And, and again, I thought this—the whole reason of this rule was game-defining plays in the final seconds. Yep. I thought that's why we did all this bullshit yep. that didn't matter, that ruined everything for all season. That's yep. that's why we did all this, and doesn't even get looked at. Booth yep. review time. Yeah, like doesn't even get looked at. Uh, and then the tackle. Uh, could not be closer. I mean, again, the game of inches cliche could not be more appropriate here. Get it? Got tackled closer than what Kevin Dyson got tackled in the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, it was as close as you possibly could get. Uh, it was just an amazing sequence then this game. But Jake's right where they're going to get healthy here over this next week. They're most likely going to get the winner of the Seahawks-Eagles game, which they should be able to handle because both those teams are still going to be just as beat up two weeks from now. Uh, that the San Francisco 49ers are going to have a real shot here to make it make this really interesting. Yeah, it's it, it was a really, really fun game to end the NFL 100 regular season. I think we're in for a great postseason. Uh, we have a lot of parity this lead, th- this time of year. Uh, for the first time in a long time, New England is playing on Wild Card Weekend. Like, there's so much excitement heading into this postseason because it 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 feels different than it has for the last couple of years. And if New England loses on Wild Card Weekend, Man, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. We're not going to see them in the AFC Championship game for the first time in a long time. We're not going to see them in the Super Bowl for for the first time in in what seems like forever as well. So a lot to look forward to. We will be off on Wednesday for New Year's Day and back on Friday uh, from a programming note for the podcast. We'll be breaking down all of the wildcard weekend action. Really excited, like I said, because I think this is – it truly is the reason the NFL is the best is because anybody can win at any moment in time. And it feels like this year more than ever, that's really, really true. Uh, Jake, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Yeah. What a final weekend. I mean, what a final way to end the hundredth season last night with a phenomenal game. I mean, some really, really good ones yesterday. And I agree with you. It is, it's a toss up right now who can stay the healthiest and who can get hot and make a run. It looks like there's four or five, six teams that can do that. So I'm really excited about that. Two quick takeaways for me. One, I want to give the NFL a little credit for their scheduling. Uh, I love that they basically can flex their entire Week 17 schedule uh, to make it as exciting as possible because I thought the finishes in the early games and the finishes in the late games and the finish in the night game were all extremely excellent. And that's what the more leagues need to be flexible like that to make sure they can create the scenario where the most competitive football can possibly be played uh, in the final week of the season. So I, I commend them for that. My other thought is, again, keep an eye on the Dallas situation. I know we broke down that report earlier. The firings aren't official yet, and we'll see if, the, if and when that they happen. But I would be shocked if Jason Garrett is is not is not fired, yeah. uh, along with the entire staff. It seems like that's where they're going. The staff's apparently been texting about uh, the report that Jason Garrett met with the staff and kind of told them things are going to be sorted over the next day or two, but you can start looking for other opportunities, which – Sounds like everybody knows what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, My final thought here is to echo what Jake said earlier. 
I understand you're an angry football fan and you want a new head coach, but just as a reminder, these are human beings that are losing their jobs. They have wives and kids that go to schools in different cities. Sometimes this requires moves, um, especially if they're, they're more than more often than not, it requires a move because they have to find another job to feed their family. And guess what? Not everybody on that staff is making what the head coach makes. So although you think everybody is a multimillionaire, there's the 25th guy on the roster or on the coaching staff roster that doesn't make the amount of money the head coach does. And he's got to move too. So just as a reminder, I know it's Black Monday. I know it's exciting to think about the possibility of having a new head coach. But on a personal level, a lot of these guys we're talking about that lost their jobs are really good dudes. Um, and, and they're human beings. So just as you celebrate the new football aspect, understand not tap dancing on somebody and their life and their human being. Uh, just be kind. Sometimes that's that's I feel like I should probably end every podcast by saying the words be kind, because I think it's a reminder that we all need. But especially when a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jamie. You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the show at TDN Fantasy under, underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save